back to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture. Today, I am here with Jeremy, Nathan, uh, Jesse, and Pastor. How are y'all doing? Doing, yeah, doing great, brother. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Great day at church today. Yes, we did. Really good day. Wow. Messages finished, were awesome. What was it? Three weeks of Psalm Sunday uh, in Psalm 18? Ten services. Ten services. Ten until. services. So uh, Sunday mornings and Sunday nights for... Five weeks. Yeah. Wow. Five weeks. Time flies. Yeah. Very good. Very good uh, encouraging series, I think. Hopefully. We'll wait and see how, yeah, it, how everybody it responds. Yeah. It was definitely encouraging. Now, if you don't mind me asking, Pastor, uh, what is your next plan? Well, we'll go back to the Gospel of Matthew probably for one week, and then we're right here at the Christmas holidays, so we'll do some... Um, We'll do some, you know, always do a Christmas series during the holidays. Um, we'll have a little bit of that. And then at the first of the year, we'll we'll jump back into Matthew on Sunday mornings. And very likely on Sunday nights, we're going to start uh, in 2020 a series on prophecy, Sunday night series on that. And that will probably last all of 2020. And then there will be um, uh, one particular month. I'm shooting for the month of May in 2020 is going to be a missions month where we're going to emphasize missions Sunday morning, Sunday night, and some Wednesday nights through that whole month, have some guest missionaries come in, so on and so forth. By the way, we had two Filipino missionaries with us tonight, both of them very impressive men and uh, doing a great work. We want to be in prayer for the the ministry of the Philippines. It's such a wide open field, bilingual people, really a wide open door there. So let's be much in prayer for them. Yeah, it definitely was a good service tonight. Now, today's podcast is going to be a little different, but it's still on the topic of the confession. Pastor, I remember uh, it was either in the last podcast or the podcast before that, we asked you the question, do you think that the fundamental branch could be saved or does it need to be thrown away? Uh, And I believe uh, we had an article come out. uh, I I believe you wrote it, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, Um, sir, I do. And it asked a good question. Uh, It says, how far uh, from the tree... Did the fundamental apple fall? And I believe that this falls along right in line, even though it's not necessarily from the confession. It's still right along with what uh, we've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, so let's ask that question to you, Pastor. Uh, <clears throat> tell us a little bit in uh, in the beginning about how it all started, uh, and then maybe we can see where it's gone wrong. Well, one thing that I think that we have not talked enough about is the roots of independent fundamental Baptists and specifically the roots of Baptists. Um, There's one thing that we have consistently insisted upon in this discussion is that we are Baptist. We do not intend to cease being Baptist. We believe Baptists are right. Uh, We are Baptist by conviction. But the name of the Baptist church has gone through an evolution. Uh, It began centuries and centuries and centuries ago, they weren't even called Baptists. In some cases, they were called Dippers. In some cases, they were called Particular Baptists. Uh, When the name Baptist was used, it always had some kind of a modifier with it, Particular Baptists, because that particular branch of Baptists were Calvinistic in their teaching, and they believed that God only saved particular people, so they got the name Particular Baptists. And the one that I wrote about in this particular article, this is the rough draft of the article, by the way. It's not the completed version. When it's done, it's going to be posted on the website. But the article is just, just the question, how far from the tree did the fundamental apple fall? The emphasis in this article specifically is Anabaptists. And as you guys all know, Anabaptists are one of several of the steps of Baptists that have been taken down through the years. You know, you have the Donatists, the Waldensians, the Anabaptists, and so on and so forth. And if there's one particular 
group of ancestors that independent fundamental Baptists have always been proud of. It's Anabaptists because Anabaptists were protesters. The prefix Anna means re, so Anabaptists means rebaptizers, and they were taking people out of Roman Catholicism and rebaptizing those that had been baptized as infants, those that had been uh, drawn out of Roman Catholicism. And I know we got a little background noise here because we just concluded a, ser- a crowded service and we still got people roaming around, so if you guys can excuse that. But the Anabaptist roots that we have are proof to me, you know, and I'd love to hear from you guys as well on this, but it's proof to me that Baptists have always been able to adapt, number one, and reclassify or rename themselves as needed. Hmm. That we dropped Anabaptists and just became Baptist, and then early in the uh, early in the century, it became independent fundamental Baptists, which distinguished them from Southern Baptists or American Baptists or so on and so forth. So names have been added as doctrine has and, been uh, And that's, that's what, what I'm after in this New Testament Baptist confession is that we have come to a place where the terms independent and fundamental have really been stolen from us by scandal, misbehavior, by the fiascos of some, some you know, really, honestly, just sadly, uh, some pretty ignorant things. And because those things have been taken from us, it's time for us to ask ourselves, are those names preservable? They're not in the Scripture, neither independent nor fundamental. No, neither of those words are in the Bible, so they don't have that protection. And so for me, that's a negotiable term, independent fundamental. Baptist, non-negotiable. Independent and fundamental, however, I believe are uh, are like Anabaptist. Those are terms that can be changed. Yeah. So historically, to sum that all up, historically, uh, Anabaptists, according to Robert Friedman, had seven characteristics you guys have those number one a visible covenantal community of believers number two a shared brotherhood practicing brotherly love number three a commitment to exclusion as an act of brotherly love fourth a church of order where members submit to authority number five a suffering church under the cross number six a church practicing voluntarism or the liberty of conscience and number seven, a church practicing the two ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. So my, the thought occurred to me, if the Anabaptists are our predecessors, and I think you guys all agree that that's the case, right? Yes. If the Anabaptists are our forefathers and our predecessors, how far have we come? On those seven fundamentals of Anabaptists, out of those seven, I have to say that we are woefully, woefully a long ways away from where Anabaptists originally were. That's the point that I wanted to make with this article. So when people say that independent fundamental Baptists are preservable, we haven't even preserved our heritage. We haven't even we haven't even solidified, uh, you know, and strengthened the the you know the the our four, we're standing on their shoulders. It was Anabaptists who paid the price that gave us the religious liberty and the freedom that we have today. And so we're standing on their shoulders. And independent Baptists have abandoned already have abandoned what Anabaptists originally taught and believed. And the characteristics don't even exist anymore. Barely exist, I should say, yeah. among independent fundamental Baptists. So on that list, what do you think that Robert Friedman? Uh, what do you think? His, number one. What do you think that? Uh, that phrase in number one means a visible covenantal community of believers mm-hmm. so my understanding of Friedman's uh, argument there is that the body of Christ the Baptist church Anabaptists particularly they had a cohesive doctrinal foundation that they stood upon a covenant doctrine and even in our church here you know you roam this property backwards and forwards there's no church covenant 
Mm. And back in the day, that was, you know, like that that was anathema, you know, if you didn't have a church covenant. And so I think that's something that we need to return to is covenantal membership, covenantal embracing of the teachings of the church. Uh, you know, I've, I've even considered um, very strongly the possibility of, uh, you know, putting our doctrinal statement again out in front of our church and saying, this is what we teach and we need you to embrace this. You know, we don't need bizarre and unusual doctrinal emphases being made in our church. And and I think we could probably justifiably uh, ask our church to embrace it. But I think we better ask our officers to sign it and yeah, say, yeah. I believe that I believe that doctrinal statement. Otherwise, we got all kind of bizarre and strange and unusual. You know, some Sunday school teacher. You know, we had one here one time, that, a Sunday school teacher that came in, and he was just so far off the wall and so far out in left field on some things that uh, uh, we, we nearly you – know, well, ultimately, we wound up having to just about break fellowship with him because it had yeah. gotten so bad. So when when Friedman talks about a covenantal community of believers, he's talking about believers that monolithically sign on to a covenant or a doctrinal emphasis or a, a creed or something of that nature. And I I guess you could say that um, what the church believes written on the church's website that's not detailed enough. Just saying, you know, a few lines for just the basic just yeah. the basic doctrines of Christ is not necessarily enough for a covenant. No, I agree. And I, I think that the uh, you know if you look at the doctrinal statement that's on our church's website, it's probably 10 times bigger than the average any church. other church yeah. that I know of. Uh, I don't know of a church in this area that has a more robust doctrinal statement than our doctrinal statement. And I mean it's it's I got to confess to you guys, it's been tempting to me just to preach our doctrinal statement hmm. and say this is what we believe as a church and having some kind of a, you know, a training union or a class or something to tell people this is where we stand. This is what we believe as a church. Yeah, I think it's the, needed. Yeah, the word covenant is almost a, an archaic word that's not used anymore. It's not just a contract or just a women's school agreement. It is it is binding. Well, well, you know, what is a marriage covenant? Right. You yes. know, we're we're in. We're Till invested, death. you know. Right. And I think that's where churches are lacking. Exactly. At least one way they are. Mm, yeah. So that number one from Friedman, that's I think, good. I think that's a, they, they failed at that one. Among independent fundamental Baptists, there is no covenantal community of believers. Yes. Here, I can prove it. We have one county. We all live in Hillsborough County, right? I think all of us here live in Hillsborough mm-hmm. County. Mm-hmm. All right. How many independent fundamental Baptist churches are in Hillsborough County? I don't know. But I can start running through a mental list right now. I know one that is mid-trib. I know another one that is post-trib, and I know a whole lot that are pre-trib. I know one that is almost secular in their music, not far from here, kind of praise band, you know, worship team type music. Then you have our church, and we are, we are, you know, hymns and some choruses here and there. So the point I'm trying to make is there is no doctrinal cohesiveness among independent Baptist churches. You, ne- you, When you say independent fundamental Baptist, you say, I'm going to visit one of those churches this weekend. Who knows what you're going to encounter? Yeah, right. yeah I mean, if there you is no Arizona and you went to see that, you'd see. Exactly. Stephen Anderson. Stephen Anderson. <laughs> I mean, how confused uh, you can go to You can go to Arizona and see an independent fundamental Baptist named Stephen Anderson and then just go one state north, I guess it is, to Nevada and, you'll have and go to an independent fundamental Josh Baptist Tice. church where Josh Tice is, and it's a completely, entirely different church yeah. uh, experience altogether. So there is no covenantal community of believers among us. Hmm. And so we did not, we dropped the ball on that. As as independent fundamental Baptists, yeah, we, we yeah. really drop the ball on that. It almost comes, becomes confusing. 
because yeah. now you don't know what to believe. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. Then, and then one farther down, a uh, uh, church uh, practicing voluntar- voluntarism of the liberty of conscience. Yes, yeah, number they, six. They, they don't know how to draw the difference between <clears throat> doctrine and then the liberty of conscience yeah. Yeah. as well. Right. So. And, and this liberty of conscience thing is huge because that's another way that the Anabaptists basically declared the priesthood of the believer. You're your own priest. You're your own priest, so on and so forth, all the way around this table. Uh, I'm not your priest. And that shows up in our communion service. When you come and take communion at Brandon Baptist Tabernacle, we don't police the table. You're responsible for examining yourself. So although we're not what we would classify as open communion, we're not closed communion. And, and what we do is we pass a tra- of bread and if you have examined yourself and you feel worthy then in humility you take it out of the tray you put it on your own tongue now if this was a catholic church you walk down in front of me i would pull out a wafer and i would place it on your tongue because i'm your priest in the baptist church i'm not your priest you're your own priest so you do your own self-examining you stand before god on your own two feet if you've done right if you've done wrong if you're being rewarded or punished or chastised you stand before god on your own two feet and so there is a as he worded it there in number six voluntarism or liberty of conscience that is it's it's your decision what kind of music you listen to i have no authority over that or what movies you attend or what restaurants you eat i have no authority over that and it's wrong for me to express and see among independent fundamental baptists that doesn't exist they want to have control Mm -hmm. over where you eat what music you listen to so on and so forth and here's where i'm comfortable is letting the holy spirit be in control of that yeah the old old testament term for that was being fear the lord in proverbs and now it's fear the brethren see well here's the problem or the fear of pastoral authority i was speaking to someone about this and I, I, I just to say the least the conversation didn't go too well I was trying to discuss this point with them uh, and just talking and I told them uh, the person came to me and they said well n- the pastor doesn't say that you can't go to the movies or he says the the pastor doesn't say you can't listen to that behind the pulpit yeah and to that honestly I have to say you're right he right. doesn't say it behind the pulpit. But what has happened uh, in, in our society and in the independent fundamental Baptist churches is it's not necessarily the pastor. And I want to make sure this is clear uh, because I know that some people have tried to take this out of context and take it the wrong way. We're not saying now in some cases there are pastors and you've mentioned the one uh, that makes them sign a uh, agreement that they won't have they'll have the same dress code in church and out of church if they want to be in the choir but not every church does that and we understand that but there definitely is uh as jesse alluded to uh some pressure among the brothers and sisters that if you're caught out by a fellow church member if a lady's caught out in public with a pair of jeans on by a church member they're afraid of what that person's going to yeah, think well of. you know uh, there, there was a fellow that was boasting to me one time he said uh, i encountered one of my one of my staff members and uh, he was in a pair of shorts and he said when i came around the corner and this guy was was there in shorts he dove into the bushes trying to hide <laughs> and he asked me the question he said don't you think that's hilarious that's terrifying and i said no that's not hilarious that's that's shameful yeah 
you know, that that someone has to be afraid of the presence of their pastor, that somebody has to be. Now, look, you know, when it comes to a staff member, I understand we're talking about a different scenario. Mm -hmm. But when someone is so fearful that they're going to run into their pastor in town because of the way that they are dressed or the way that they're conducting themselves or who they're hanging out with or anything of that nature, there's one or two problems. Either that pastor has too much control over that person's life or that person's just not living right. Yeah. You know, and it could be either or, but in many cases among independent fundamental Baptists, you can be walking the straight and narrow path and still feel hesitant to yeah. speak around your pastor. Well, here's or, an example. And that, that to me is a destruction of the priesthood of the believer. And, and someone listening to this may uh, fall into this category. Uh, there are people that'll ride around and listen to contemporary Christian music. And as I've said before, it's not my preference, but go back to the priesthood. It's not my business what right. someone else listens to. But, but the problem comes in with this condition uh, where they listen to that. Or maybe they listen to a secular artist uh, that sings maybe Christmas songs, but then when they get near a church or, or a church member's house or someone's house that they know is uh, goes to their church, they'll change the music to old Southern gospel-style music. Yeah. How toxic is that condition? To Brother, that's hypocrisy. I, I've seen people, I, I kid you not, and this is my own experience, I've seen people wear jeans and then when they get close to their friend's house they want to put a skirt on yep i have too and it floors me because it's i have my preference i don't wear shorts but that doesn't mean that nathan can't wear shorts around me or should be afraid to i have no control over nathan right and that's one thing i'll mention him brother wiley one thing i loved about him was he was very clear in that that was not his conviction yeah and that when that standard, someone had that standard, he would abide by that standard. But that was not his conviction, and he would wear shorts. Yeah. And he he was comfortable in them. Right. And, and that's the way it should be. It should be that way. But unfortunately, a lot of believers have gotten to this uh, mindset of they have to be careful because so-and-so may be watching. Right. Yeah. And so-and-so may think differently of them if they yeah. see them like that. And, and like Jesse, like you just said, that's not fearing God and serving God. That's fearing and serving the brethren. Yeah. Uh, which I find incredibly uh, dangerous. Just like our last... Who's on the throne, man? Who's on the throne here? It's like our last episode. We talked about freeing the slaves. Yes. We're a slave to our our pastor, a slave to our church member. I've been uh, kind of meditating on this thought a little bit today, Um, kind of with that. There was... um, I'm trying to think how to word it again. I mentioned it to a couple of you guys this morning, to Philemon. Yes. About being a slave to Christ. Right. And uh, I think the confession is our letter to Philemon. Yeah. It's our way to say, even Paul Setting opened up and said, I am, yeah, he even said, I am a, um, a slave of Christ. Yeah. And that's what I think we need one to get of the quotes, to. One of the quotes in the actual New Testament Baptist Confession, you can get that on NewTestamentBaptist.com, but one of the quotes in the confession from Harriet Tubman was, she said, I single-handedly set free nearly a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if they had only known they were slaves. Yeah. And my fear is this. This is where the real problem arises in my mind, is that there are generations of young people that, are, that have come up under this tyranny. Mm-hmm. And these generations of young people, as soon as they turn 18 i mean just the first breath of freedom that they inhale they all of a sudden defect and we've talked about this you know in the podcast before why is this happening and i have an opinion on this i think that the oppressive suffocating tyranny of independent fundamental baptists has created a rebellious culture it is created the opposite scenario than what they wanted they wanted subdued subjected teenagers but what is created is rebels 
Mm. Yeah, I agree. Part of that, too, is, um, I mean, you have people leaving good doctrinal churches and going to straight-up crazy left churches. Right. And the reason they're doing that is because they don't want to live in that strict environment. And once again, the pastor may not be saying, you have to do this and wear this and talk like this. But if that is the tone yeah. of the environment, if the tone of that is this is how you need to handle yourself and behave yourself, and if you don't hold yourself to the standard, you need to feel looked down upon. Right. Uh, that's yeah. dangerous. It's what and, I call. And I had someone mention to me. They said, "Well, if you went to a place that was had a lot of people, rich people, dressed up nicely with nice cars, and you came up in a beat up car uh, with shorts and a t shirt on, you would feel underdressed." Yeah. And I told him, I said, I, I completely agree. But the problem is, is that's not the church. That's not what the church is supposed no. to be. No, the church different. isn't supposed to be it's a place with oranges. nice uh, cars and fancy suits. The church is supposed to be a congregation of believers. Right. Shoot, I mean, look in the Bible. How many times was it homeless people around yes, Christ? I mean, Lepers. it wasn't people that were rich in yes, Lamborghinis sir. and suits and ties. It was poor people yes sir blind nasty disgusting people yep. around christ and that's what it is you may have some apostles you may have some disciples but you're also going to have some that are dirty yeah. you're going to have some that are blind some that have sores sure we're a hospital but you got to accept them all yeah i mean you can't we're just pick that's and right. choose and you can't um isolate that person or make that person feel isolated because right. they look that way right i i, I seriously i 100 percent agree with what you said before pastor we don't have the young people that we should have because of these standards yeah i i know for a fact We're that's what it is under a bushel i have friends that i went to high school and look with. at i'm look you know we need to make this clear at the end of this this i know we're running out of time here but look we need to say that we're not we don't intend to drop all of our standards that's right. not what this is about that's yeah. not what this is about my standards have but we don't intend for these standards to be the first thing to hit somebody in the face when they walk on this property. Right. The first thing, exactly. if so, you know, I remember being in Bible college in South Carolina and a woman coming on the property and she was she was visiting the church, had never been there before, and one of the Bible college students just grabbed her up and said, "You better come with me," because she wasn't dressed the way that they thought she should be. This is back in the 1990s. So they took her to Doctor Seitler's office and they said, "Doctor Seitler, we found this woman roaming the property." She She's visiting and inquiring about the college, and she's not in a skirt. And so Dr. Seitler looked at this ignorant student and looked at this precious lady and said, ma'am, uh, thank you, for, first of all, for visiting with us and inquiring about the college. You are always welcome here. And I, I took a great amount of counsel from that. A young, starchy, mean-spirited, wet-behind-the-ears, green-back preacher is going to hurt a gal's feelings over something that doesn't matter in the beginning. Yeah. Dr. Seitler knew we got to catch them before we clean them. Yeah. Right. And so that mattered. That really, really mattered. Mm. That's good. So, we have to come and visit this one again, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we definitely will. Yep. Um, and once again, just to reiterate, as we're coming to a close, we are not against standards. Absolutely. My standards have not changed uh, since agreeing to this and reading this and finding very valid points in this confession. My standards have not changed. They seem the same, and some have actually even, uh, I've tried to tighten up on some areas. Sure. But that's just part of being a believer. That's yeah, part of growing. It's process. That's, yes. I mean, you can you can get someone in church that has a nose ring and a tattoos and all this stuff, and you can make them 
convince them that by the next service they need to have the ta- nose ring out and the tattoos covered but is that you changing them or is that god changing them right right uh, like you mentioned before with the choir member one's going to last forever the other one's only going to be temporary right and for too long unfortunately i've seen these people changed by conviction of friends and convictions of church right. members and then they get out of church and now you see them dressed completely opposite of the way they're supposed to right acting completely opposite of the way they're supposed to that's right and it's all because that we didn't let the holy spirit do the changing yeah we tried to do it ourselves that's right you can't change a person only no, god can not permanently Mm-mm. i've changed a lot of people temporarily but you can't change them permanently right they'll go right back to where they were and they lose their reward Absolutely. i also think it needs to be before we close it needs to be stated that we're not saying it's okay to do whatever you want we'll just get now we, they're right. saying it's okay to go to movie theater so that must mean it's okay to go to a bar it's not what we're saying no, we're, there is liberty in Christ, but liberty in Christ means we're we're free from sin, not well, free to sin. Well, that's right. That's I mean, right. Paul said it perfectly when he says, uh, "Do we sin?" Uh, he talks about, "Should we sin that the grace more abound?" And Continue said, God forbid. Sin. That's yeah. right. No, we're not saying that you should sin as much as how you want. How shall we that are he, in that question? He said, "God forbid." And how shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? So he's not excusing sin, and neither are we. And neither yeah. are we exactly. What we're saying is, we need to get back to the Bible and get back to where the Holy Spirit is doing the change. Absolutely. And I think that once we get back there, we'll be in the place we need to be. But thank you guys uh, for this. Um, we had planned to get through all of this. Uh, But as usual, we get to talking and time flies when you're having fun. Uh, So thank you guys for tuning in. As a reminder, you can find our podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. I'll list a couple for you. We have Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. These are all free apps, most of them, where you can find these podcasts. Uh, Also, if you want to look it up, you can also go on the church website. That is www.brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Once again, that's www.brandonbaptisttabernacle.com. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Cherishing Scripture Podcast, a podcast where we are changing society by cherishing scripture.